You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I'm Rachel Kudlak and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, we have another great podcast lined up today. Um, I'm really excited to have another survivor on the podcast. Um, You know, our listeners know we've had a a good mix this season, especially of survivors, healthcare folks, um, everyone in between. So, but I'm really excited for today. Awesome. Me too. Um, Well, without further ado, do you want to introduce today's guest then? Yes, yes. And before we get started with our guest, um, I do just want to shout out Pritzker Hagman Law Firm. Um, They are the podcast is powered by them today. Um, The Pritzker Hagman um, burn injury legal team helps burn survivors and their loved ones pursue compensation and justice throughout the United States. And you can learn more about them and their services at legaljourney.guide. And then, as I mentioned, we have a survivor on the on the podcast today. We have Grace Athena Fought, who is a painter, arts educator, and burn survivor advocate. She is a member of the Jasmine Jahansky Fire Safety Foundation, a Phoenix SOAR volunteer, and a volunteer camp counselor for Camp Yeserb, a camp for burn survivor kids of all ages. She grew up in Eastern Washington State and now resides in Seattle, where she holds drawing and painting classes in her private studio and online. Welcome, Grace. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Before we dive into a little bit about your art, um, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your journey as a burn survivor? Sure. Um, I was born in 2011 when I was 20 years old, and I was a study abroad student in Paris. I was extremely lucky to be living there, Um, and uh, it was an apartment fire. Um, It was horrific, like anybody else's story. Um, I lost two friends of mine, Jasmine Jahanshai, who the foundation is named after, Um, and another young woman, Louise Brown, who was Australian. So it was um, definitely a before and after, you know, before the fire and after the fire. Um, I had 45% burns. I also, significantly for me, I also uh, broke my back and my ankle. So it was sort of multi, like a, a total body injury. And um, you know, took probably two full years of like intensive recovery. So I was flown back to the States. Um, and then, yeah, sort of began this long process of now over a decade of moving into what I do now, um, as an artist and teacher, 
um, and sort of advocate in the burn community, uh, integrating the experience. Um, it's definitely been a lot of different things, but yeah, I've had a lot of support and just, it is one of the reasons why I landed in art. So I feel really grateful for that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing with all that with us. And so I was just going to dive into art, but I did want to ask you a quick question. I hadn't realized that your injury happened abroad. Mm -hmm. So how, how long were you in, did you recover in Paris before coming back? Can you just, it's very unique. Um, and I'd love if you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah, I was injured in Paris and then was there in the hospital for the very initial um, hospitalization for, I think, three weeks before I was medically evacuated in a private jet to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. So, yeah, both like I experienced two different healthcare systems. I experienced mm -hmm. um, free healthcare in France and not free healthcare in the US. So that was a striking difference. Um, my family had to, I mean, I'm glad that they were able to uh, literally fly over there uh, to Paris mm -hmm. with me after the initial yeah, injury, but it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. That, yeah. and I can't imagine, you know, how your family felt. It's great to hear that they could come over and be with you. Um, but that's not a short plane trip. It's not just a two hour plane trip. It's across the country, especially for you being in, you know, the Pacific Northwest. So I I'm sure that was a very long plane ride for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel super lucky and privileged and just, I really did see like a stark contrast between the two healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. Like when I was living there, it was as a student um, and you are required to enroll in the public healthcare option. So I was like triple covered because I had travel insurance and my parents insurance since I was under 26. So it's just like extremely, extremely lucky. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks again for sharing that with us. Um, so I just kind of want to go back to the beginning, even before your burn injury. So how did you first fall in love with art? And what was that? You know, when were, when did you know you were interested in, you know, art and painting? Yeah, well, a lot of people are artsy and creative when they're kids, I think, because we are more allowed to be right. Mm -hmm. We are really given license to play, um, especially as children. And I think that as we get older, that um, we have less opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was a kid who wanted to be an artist when I grew up, um, but then got interested in a lot of different things as you do. I went to undergrad and took a couple drawing and painting classes, but more on the side, um, mostly because I just didn't think that it could be a real career. And there's a stereotype about the starving artist, right? Um, which is just a stereotype. <laughs> so it was always sort of there um, as something I enjoyed doing. And it was really when I, after I was injured that I had one of the moments of clarity where I just thought I need to find a way to make meaning out of this experience. 
So I had been involved in advocacy um, through the Fire Safety Foundation that I work with. Um, I had been doing keynote speaking. Uh, I was oddly didn't find out about the Phoenix Society or like connect locally um, for about six or seven years until after my injury. But I had all this other support in my life. Um, and still, I needed, I think, a way of expressing. So it really got started again when I was doing experimental kind of just like expressive drawings. And then I found a class or a school here in Seattle that trains people to do very realistic um, uh, drawing. And I just started taking classes and I was like, wow, like I didn't know people still did this. <laughs> um, and I realized that I could actually, you know, make images um, to make the world kind of a safer place for people that have scars um, and realize that I could, you know, make images of myself and my friends and that this was still possible. So I sort of fell back into it and then fell in love again. Mm -hmm. So Grace, <clears throat> I know you said you became an artist after you were you know, had the burn injury, but did you find that um, the art helped with your healing or do you believe that there was a healing element to kind of what you were doing? Um, I don't know if there was consciously. I think there's an interesting relationship between art and healing. I think a lot of people think of art as healing and that's it. <laughs> they think of mm -hmm. it as like therapy. Um, I think of the work that I do as more of a communication tool. I think that it can be healing for um, viewers. I think that the process of art and art making can be healing. So there's a really awesome book called Your Brain on Art that you guys should check out. And it's this whole field of neuroesthetics, which is like how, you know, experiencing, um, I don't know, stimulation or like beauty, like visual, auditory, like sensory um, experiences can be really transformative for your um, brain. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's so like well documented now that like, yes, like creativity and engaging in the arts is really critical for healing. And I think I can look back and say, yeah, I was looking for a way to um, I think see myself in media and see myself in art uh, because we don't, mm -hmm. right? Like we just don't. We see ourselves in medical textbooks and we see ourselves as Freddy Krueger, mm -hmm. right? And so we didn't like maybe consciously uh, notice that before our injuries, but certainly um you know, I went through all the feelings of looking at my body and thinking I'm a corpse, I'm a zombie, like I'm mm. dead. Uh, and like still, you know, we live in a very ableist culture. So mm -hmm. I think art can be a means of um, uh, I mean, a lot of different things, but returning like agency to yourself. I think going through like a medical trauma 
um, and losing control over your body, like having that experience of like, I have to rely on this whole healthcare team, but also it's really dehumanizing, right? Like I'm laying mm -hmm. naked on a table and they're scrubbing me. Mm -hmm. Like that's dehumanizing um, and necessary. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, uh, I think when you create something physically with your own hands, like that is what art is. It is an act of creation. And mm -hmm. that can be very powerful. It can be very grounding. Um, and uh, yeah, that I think is like the reason why people should get involved in art. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, I love, I love all of that because, you know, I used to think that, you know, art as a part of more of like the burn survivor healing side of things, I really saw more of a means of, you know, like almost physical therapy because of using your hands and, you know, I have scars on my hands. So that was a big thing. Um, like painting and drawing when I was a kid to get that mobility back. But, um, yeah, what you just shared. I mean, it's so much deeper than that. And I, I really love, I love that idea of, um, you know, putting power back in yourself by you creating something, which I, yeah, I just love, um, which I know is kind of, um, or my next question for you was, I think this ties in really well is about your new art exhibit called new icons. So I know a little bit about it from preparing for the podcast, but can you tell our listeners more about that art exhibit? Yes, I'd love to. Um, a lot of my work is really about body liberation and just exploring this idea of normalcy and how we construct that um, normalcy and health and beauty and gender. So I've wanted to do this project for a long time. And it's sort of the reason why I got back into art is to do this collaborative portrait project with our community so with burn survivors and it is uh, an art uh, series of paintings. There's seven portrait paintings and five small, what I call body maps, which are also paintings, interviews with each subject. And um, I also hosted a scar print workshop so the whole project is funded by the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture and has been supported by two different artist residencies in the last year, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it's really to celebrate our lived experience and, um, you know, take a group of folks who have very little positive visual representation or visual history um, and try to do my part, you know, towards expanding that, which is in fine art. Um, and, you know, the arts, like there's a symbiotic relationship between the work that we all make in our studios and what gets put into advertising, TV, film, right? It's sort of how do we shift the culture uh, just a little bit? So I'm really excited about it. And it's going to be opening in Seattle at this place called the Museum of Museums um, on October 17th. And it's just up for one week, October 17th to the 22nd. And I was really happy to find um, a venue that was very supportive of the project. Um, 
one of the things that happened when I was proposing the exhibition around Seattle was this reaction. Um, when I would say, I'm doing a project, it celebrates burn survivors. It celebrates people with visible differences, specifically people with scarring uh, from burn injuries. And the first 10, 15 responses very much were like, this would look great in a hospital, right? This would look great in a clinic. I could really see this in the halls of this nonprofit devoted to chronic illness or chronic pain. And I think that we all do a lot of work like within our community, right? Like sort of inside. And like what I'm trying to do is like put it outside, right? Just like a lot of the folks like at Changing Faces. And I know individually, like a lot of us are doing this kind of more activist work. Um, so it's really important to me to find a venue that was um, an awesome just contemporary art space that shows a lot of different types of work um, and is really accessible to the public. That's awesome. So when it comes to like how you came up with that idea, did a lot of um, your ideas for the project itself come from the fact that you yourself are a survivor and you felt like um, this would help obviously impact the community through that? Or um, you want to tell us a little bit more about like the paintings and kind of the stories behind each of those? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, so in art, like we, if you are painting people, there's always this traditional relationship of, um, or photography too, like, I'm taking your photo, I'm painting you, I have the power, I am the creator. Um, and we, as a community, lack visibility. Um, but I think it's also a very vulnerable thing, right? To be seen and to be portrayed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I take, I take that very seriously. Um, and it's, yeah, I take it really seriously. <laughs> uh, so it got started really, because I was talking to a friend of mine who is also a burn survivor here in the pandemic in 2020. And I was just like, you know, I'd love to paint you. Um, and that's uh, Claudia, who's in the series. And she's the woman who is five months pregnant in the painting, because that's how she showed up at my studio one day. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know you were having a kid. <laughs> so, so yeah, it really just got started with, I wanted to paint a couple of people that I knew um, through the community here. And it really became a way of just like, having conversations with people, you know, like what is your experience with scars? What is it like to navigate the world in this body? How does that interact with other parts of your identity? Um, you know, my experience as, uh, especially being burned as like an adult, as a white woman, as a young woman, um, is really different than a lot of other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of like the media that I've seen is we know very focused on trauma and the burn story. How did it happen? Right. That's what everyone wants to know. And so the interviews are never like, I'm never like, Hey, tell me your burn story. It's really, what kind of media did you see growing up? How do you want to be represented? Mm -hmm. um, what kinds of stories would you like to see about 
us. Uh, by and large, you know, everyone's just like, we want to be portrayed as normal, right? Like, we don't want the injury to be the number one focus of the portrayal. Um, we want to be seen. We want to be seen as powerful. We want to be seen as, um, you know, filled with self-love and self-possessed and have agency and be multifaceted. So, yeah, I mean, there's, everyone has a different um, experience. And I just interviewed, um, a, his name's Adam, and he talked a lot about just masculinity and being raised um, with a certain idea of what it meant to be a man and how his injury, you know, interacted with that and made it, you know, sort of uh, charged in a completely different way um, than my experience. So I was really interested for a long time in just having that conversation. Like, what does it mean to you to have scars? I think a lot of the spaces that I've been in for burn survivors are focused a lot on the clinical element of recovery and not so much of making meaning um, and I'm really interested in like connecting this one injury experience that we have into a bigger conversation about um, whether it's disfigurement, physical difference, or disability, right? Because mm -hmm. they all overlap. And I think there's a lot of um, power or empowerment, right, in becoming part of that bigger conversation. For sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, earlier when you shared just when you were, I guess, pitching the the idea of the exhibit to some places and how they're like, oh, it, that would be great in a hospital. It's like, well, like you mentioned, it's that's the opposite. The whole point of doing this is to show, you know, our beauty and, you know, it's not just your mainstream standards anymore. Um, you know, and we work and, you know, we work with Face Equality International um, and there's so many individuals, not just in the burn community, but the physical difference community in general working, you know, for this push, um, you know, thinking about even small things to just and then to big things like Hollywood and main movies. It's it's so true that there's not a re enough representation, um, not just of burn survivors, but any, you know, an amputee, um, mm -hmm. we never, we never see those either. So, um, such a small, small piece of such a bigger conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. I just met somebody here in Seattle who works at the intersection of like theater arts and disability. And I just was like, wow, like we truly all are in our own silos, you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> How powerful could it be if we came together, right? Like mm -hmm. not just in art across different mediums, but across these different experiences. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and you touched on this a little bit already, but I kind of want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, kind of the idea of, you know, the objectification and how as an artist or a photographer or a painter or whatever that art may be, you know, you are really you're not objectifying, but somewhat, you know, of who you're, of the subject of the art. Um, and that can be, you know, that's something burn survivors experience on a daily basis and not in the art world, but 
just walking down the street and getting stares from the community. So can you just share a little bit more about that? Yes, thank you for bringing me back to that piece. <laughs> um, the, the antidote to that for me is collaboration. And I'm very conscious of that experience. Like I have experienced it myself being portrayed by other artists, um, you know, uh, and it's not fun. So the way that I work is very slow. It's very meditative. It's um, over months and months. And I want to make a space and like have enough time to build a relationship because it really is about um, having a reciprocal exchange and collaborating with the person. So everyone who I've painted is somebody that is in my life that I, you know, was getting to know, was friends with, or am now getting to know through the process of painting them. Everyone is someone that, you know, I'm spending like a year of my life, like back and forth <laughs> with, um, so the process is like a commission where we do um, a big photo shoot, you know, after a series of conversations. Uh, one of the conversations might be recorded for the interview, but there is like a, there's a traditional relationship between, right, artist and subject, which is like, again, I'm just taking your image. I am in a way having to objectify like the shapes that I see, right? Like the best of realist painting is really, can we um, acknowledge that we have bias and then try to just see and observe what we're looking at? So in that way, yes, there's an objectification, right? Where I am noticing the shapes, the valleys, the ridges, the changes in light and shadow, in temperature, in color, in all these technical elements of art. Um, it's very difficult to be, I think, a portrait painter today who is trying to sort of change that kind of relationship though with the other side of objectification, right? Because it is ultimately a painting that I created but can I get consent from the subject, from the participant really at every step of the way? So it's never something where I'm like, hey, I just really wanna paint you and I don't even know you um, just cause I like your face or your face is like interesting to me. <laughs> like that feels very like, I don't wanna get to know you. I'm, I just am exoticizing like your features or something. So, People, um, we talk a lot about just like what goes in the background, right? Like the question I always pose is, what is the message that you want to put out there? Because art lasts a long time. It's going to outlast us. <laughs> so what, how do you want to be remembered? Um, how do you want to be celebrated? What is the mood that you want to convey? And most everyone is very much like, I want to show that I'm okay with me. 
Like, I want to show that I'm good with me. And there might be, and actually quite often, people want some element of nature in the background. There's a lot of like, I think it makes sense. Uh, a lot of like grounding, right? And healing is found through connecting with nature. Um, it's also beautiful to look at and to paint. So yeah, I kind of go through like every piece of um, the puzzle and we do a lot of like composition uh, studies and I send them over, you know, we take 600 photos I narrow it down to like 20 or 30, and then we talk about them. Um, so this is why it takes months. And then it takes months to paint. <laughs> so, it's awesome. It is, yeah, it, yeah, it's collaboration and the consent at every stage is really important to me. It sounds like there's a lot of dedication in your work for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, I do wanna um, just, um, we, have a couple, we have some other questions we wanna ask you, but I do wanna just mention as well that the new icons, um, you know, exhibit is going to be available for viewing at the Museum of Museums in Seattle. And you said October 17th through 22nd, correct? That's correct. Awesome. And if anyone wants to learn more, um, they can visit also on your website, correct? Do you want to mm -hmm. tell everyone your website? Yeah, my name is, or my website is my name. So graceathenaflot.com. And some of the works are up right now. And in October, everything will be posted online. Oh, perfect. So folks can see all of the, the, mm -hmm. the exhibits. Awesome. That's, yeah. That's the really interviews, cool. yeah. The interviews will be posted ideally also in conjunction with the show. So Amber, I've interviewed you like two years ago, I think, and I still have mm -hmm. that interview and I'm getting them oh, awesome. edited this summer. Um, Very cool. Which is another whole process. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, I'm very excited to see that and can't wait to see um, the exhibit when it does get posted in October. So um, with that, uh, we'd love to know about what other exhibits you've worked on. So I know this is one of many things that you've done, but do you want to talk a little bit about some of the other projects um, that you've worked on in the past? Yeah, I, um, like I said, work sort of around this question of, you know, what is normalcy? How do we define normal, like whose body belongs? Um, how are we ascribing value to different bodies? And uh, I was trained in this like classical painting. So, which is sort of using the language of representation, right? To really tell a story, right? It's almost like an illustration. So the last show I did was, um, it was called exposure therapy, which is a therapy that I've actually done. I don't know about you guys, mm -hmm. um, but it was, yeah, I was early on in my um, recovery. I worked with um, a therapist who we were working on PTSD and we did exposure therapy, which was really interesting <laughs> and very helpful at the time. But the show, the idea, the sort of other idea of exposure therapy is this act of letting go of defenses and really being seen. So it was a body of work that I put together during the pandemic and um, showed last year here in Seattle at another gallery. And it was a series of kind of 
people in interior spaces um, that were pretty like intimate. So a lot of, you know, people like in the tub or little snippets of like people's legs seen in like a room. So I just, I like this idea that, or I guess what I'm always playing around with is that idea of who's doing the looking and who is looking back, right? Who is staring back? What's that relationship between me and the subject? Like we live in a time where we are like always online, right? We're always like mm -hmm. posting a selfie. Um, whether we know it or not, like we are very much all curating our own presentation. Mm -hmm. So I think that old idea of, um, you know, I'm like the artist or I'm behind the camera and you're my subject and like, I'm gonna exploit you is sort of over because most people have this ability to kind of reverse um, the dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I just think it's like more complicated. So for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, and just you know, it. you hear that all the time, like, oh, I like my Instagram feed, like I need to be a certain filter or color to, to curate, you know, your brand essentially, mm -hmm. um, which can have, you know, there's pros and cons to giving people the power to do that themselves because pro you do have that power con. We tend to fall into, you know, we have to be perfect all the time and, you know, we are getting better at that, but um, you know, people still, you know, how many, for every happy post you see, how many sad yeah. posts should there also be, but you don't ever see that, that side of things. Yeah. And I think like in art, there's a real offer to slow down and to just look mm -hmm. right. And so like, yeah, we're not scrolling. We're not just consuming images. Like when you go to a play or you go to a museum or you're just in a class or whatever it is, like it's really an opportunity to slow down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I kind of see my work as like a place for people to experience a deeper relationship to what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I know you shared how you got interested and involved with art, um, but I'm sure we have some listeners who have either dabbled a little bit in art or aren't sure where to get started. So what advice would you give someone who, um, you know, just wants to explore their creative side a little bit more and get more involved? Well, you don't have to be good, quote unquote, at <laughs> art to benefit <laughs> from it. So just take that out of your mind and throw it in the trash. Um, it's really for everyone. Uh, I know like the work that I do is very much like I went through school and was like trained, but I was making stuff before that too. And it was awesome. So yeah, I'm very much artist for everyone. Like tons of, I'm sure wherever you live, there are tons of artists. And if there are not, like you can be the artist. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there's probably a local art center, like a local nonprofit art center that offers continuing education classes. They probably have scholarships. Um, I think just meetup groups. I think, yeah, there's lots of ways to kind of plug in. 
what I would also say is just try a bunch of stuff and probably you're already drawn to a certain thing. Like maybe you like to make beaded jewelry or like, I don't know. I think even like cooking can be an art, right? Like we talked mm-hmm. about just making something with your hands. Um, to me, like art is just like a creative somatic experience. Mm-hmm. And it is really not about the results. Right. Except, like except maybe cooking. You don't want well, to yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't want to eat it. On, <laughs> yeah. right. Unless you're on like one of those reality shows where the point is that it's just beautiful. And like, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds fun too. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's lots so, of ways to get plugged in, but just don't worry about the results and mm-hmm. don't stress. And I see you run workshops of your own grace. So um, do you hold, um, some workshops for the community? Is it that, that can get involved and learn from you? Yeah. So I do a lot of different kinds of teaching. I teach one-on-one private lessons. I teach, um, teens and adults at Pratt Art Center, um, here in Seattle at Gage Academy, like different local schools. I teach online, um, sometimes classes, the most recent uh, really wonderful workshop that I w- was just so happy um, to do was the scar print workshop that I mentioned. And that was part of the grant. So I, in the last two years, um, started taking ink prints directly from my own skin. And they have made their way into some other paintings now. Um, and it's sort of opening up like new kind of visual languages um, in my own work. But just the experience of literally making art directly from my own skin was really powerful. And I yeah, ended up um, getting a group of, I think, just 10 or 11 burn survivors here in Seattle together. And we had this like wonderful day where we all made scar prints together and people who were like, I'm not an artist, I never paint, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, they're sitting there at the glass palette, like mixing the paint, and then they're, you know, rolling it on their arm with the brayer and pressing the paper and pulling it. And they're just like, oh, you know, you like see the light bulbs going off. So, so yeah, I facilitated that here. And then since that um, happened, um, different organizations and actually a couple burn centers have been asking me, Hey, can you come out and facilitate this kind of workshop for us too? And so, yeah, that's what I do. That's my plug. (laughs) I know you shared with me the scar print kind of instructions and I did it from home here. And I remember doing it and my husband being like, what are you doing? Like there's paint all over you, like all over everything, but we have this beautiful collection and I have yet to frame them, but uh, this beautiful collection of, art prints that like would look really cool and and it's just really neat to see but also as a good like keepsake as a survivor to show Mm -hmm. like or to have that with me of like the the evolution of my scars um but yes it was definitely a messy process and um but it was (laughs) a lot of fun and I like came away from it like oh that was really that was really fun um so I very much enjoyed it yeah if you haven't checked it out I definitely yeah would recommend it for sure uh so Grace 
Um, my question, I guess, is to specifically, I think, for like the female survivor um, who are learning to accept, you know, their appearances, I think it can be really hard um, because of like kind of like what Rachel was talking about. You know, social media, I think, makes it worse for us as well. But um, what advice would you give them to like accept their new appearance, given you were burned at what, 20 years old? So I'm sure you had kind of had some identity already. Um, what was that like for you and how did you overcome that? Yeah, this is such an important topic, and I don't think one that is given the credence that it deserves. Um, I'm not over it. Yeah, like, I'm like over a decade in, and I think the scars, like being, having your skin totally changed is like a biographical disruption to your identity. It's a major change. And for me, and I've talked now to so many people who have this experience of their scars were sort of um, a trailhead or an opening into a lot of other body issues that I was raised with or they were raised with. So like just the fat phobia, um, the ableism, you know, like we grew, I grew up in the nineties. Uh, it was bad, <laughs> like fat jokes everywhere in TV and film. Um, there is one type of woman that is allowed to exist and she is young, white, thin, able-bodied, conventionally beautiful. She doesn't have scars and she's blonde. So <laughs> like, you know, you might have like one or two of those things, but no one has all of them because that person is made up. And we can all know that intellectually, and it's still very hard to sort of emotionally separate yourself from it. So, yeah, I don't know if I have advice. I just would say like a lot of people have body image issues. Mm -hmm. Like I still have body shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily go away. I think what's really important is to talk about it because mm -hmm. the silence is what makes it worse. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, burn survivor or not burn survivor, we all, mm. we all go through this. It's not, you, you know, just unique to our community. We just maybe have another layer we have to talk through as well. Yeah, so absolutely really good advice. So, but so aside from the art um, and art healing and all of that, was there anything else in particular that maybe, you know, helped you on your healing journey or still helping you on your healing journey that you'd want others to know? Yes. So many things. Um, I think, I mean, supportive community, number one, get involved. Um, sharing your experience is just lifts the burden right mm -hmm. it's like we share it and it somehow becomes lighter and that's the magic so you know i took a long time to do that i felt like a special snowflake um for a long time and then i started talking to people and i was like oh yeah like we got the same shit so <laughs> um other things that helped were just practically speaking like i uh started sorry, massage therapy. So mm -hmm. just um, that helped a lot with like my scar pain. 
and flexibility mm-hmm. and also reconnecting to my own body and kind of regaining that um, sense of agency over my own body. I think movement, um, like slowly getting back into just things that I enjoyed. You know, I live in the Pacific Northwest and if you don't hike here, like, right, people kind of look at you funny. <laughs> so, which is totally not for everyone. Like hiking is like hard. <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> um, it's hard work, but we have um, enormous access to nature. So that's a big thing for me is mm-hmm. getting outside. Um, yeah, getting outside, getting some sunshine. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> a resource that's scarce here. Yeah. <laughs> Say whenever it's out, you have to take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So just the normal things. I think a lot of therapy, I do um, internal family systems therapy, which has been awesome. And like I mentioned, I did exposure therapy. Like I've just kind of tried a lot of different things. And I think, you know, just don't give up. Just keep mm-hmm. looking for for the thing that's going to help because there there is something. Definitely. There is definitely something awesome. for everyone. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, I think, advice, you do do a lot of work in the burn community to help other survivors. Um, I know that you volunteer for many organizations, including the Phoenix Society and the SOAR program. Um, so, uh, but you, I heard you also just mentioned that you have a burn camp you're helping out with as well. So can you tell us why, I think I know the answer to this a, a little bit, but like, why is it important for you to give back and continue to share that message, um, to other survivors? Yeah. Oh my God. It's almost hard to answer because I feel like it's so obvious. <laughs> um, I just get so much out of it. Like I, um, it's the sense of not being alone. And I think in helping other people, whether it's big or small, we just realize that we are not the only ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's about connection. It's about like recognizing our shared humanity. Um, and I think especially, so what I'm about to do next week is go out and be camp counselor um, at the local burn camp, Camp Iabsut which has been going on for like over 25 years. Um, I only got involved maybe five years ago, but yeah, especially working with, I think kids and you see what they're going through. And I've learned so much like about my own experience, just seeing, you know, what is it like to be burned as a child and go Mm -hmm. through school and go through a lot more um, like at just a different developmental stage where I know I didn't experience direct bullying because I was an adult and very few adults do that. Um, but the stuff that, yeah, the kids are dealing with and also how resilient they are at the same time mm-hmm. um, is so magical. And to just see or be in a place where, you know, 90% of everyone at the camp has scars and it's like going to world burn um it is like nothing else it is like feeling like i am here in my home Mm -hmm. so yeah it helps to be among others that are like us i think for sure so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you don't realize yeah how much work it is to 
be like a spectacle in public, right? When you're the only one with scars mm-hmm. until you are in a space where that is taken off of your shoulders. And then mm-hmm. breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I know we're coming up on our time here. So before we do ask you, you know, our last two questions, um, I just want to ask, you know, what's next for Grace? I know your art exhibit is about to open. And so anyone who's local, we encourage you to go visit in person and check it out. But aside from that, what's what's next for Grace and how can our listeners keep up with you? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I know that um, I'm going to keep working on all these different topics. And it's just sort of this like, how is the art going to change, you know, over time? It's already changed so much. I I am going to keep teaching. Um, you know, I think after an, an exhibition, there's a lot of uh, just like thinking about how it went and then like what's next. I just did an artist residency down in Sonoma County, the Chalk Hill Artist Residency, where I was looking at actually a different aspect of like, what does it mean to look normal? So using the scar prints um, and combining them with different patterns that I'm seeing in nature, because I actually see like the exact same shapes right like in um tree bark or like i see kind of topographical lines like a map in there and i like this idea of placing you know something that disfigurement right is sort of stereotyped as quote unquote unnatural next to something literally from nature right and you see like this resonance um So I'm interested in that piece of it, the way that nature heals itself, the way that it looks, um, and how we are actually just a reflection of that. So that might be, yeah, might be a future body of work. We'll see. (laughs) That's awesome. Very cool. Well, we we so appreciate your time here, but before we let you go, um, we always ask our our guests two final questions. So... um, for me, I, I think the biggest, um, I think, thing I'd like to know from you, Grace, is um, what advice would you give to somebody who's just been been injured, whether it's someone who's who's young or um, as the case of, you know, you, you were in your 20s at that time. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's been through a similar experience that you have been? I would just say that you're not alone and you're loved you know, like you're going to be okay. And it's really, really, really hard. Um, and like, we're all here for you, you know, like Mm -hmm. whenever, whenever you are ready. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Great, great advice. Um, so our, our final question, it is our Phoenix partner question, um, which is sponsored by the Pritzmer Pritzker Hagman Law Firm, a nationally recognized personal injury firm helping clients throughout the United States. So the question is, what is something you are grateful for today? Oh, I like that question. I thought <laughs> you were going to have... ask about the burniversary. <laughs> no, no, we, we mixed them up for season three. I know our guests are like, wait, you're what are you asking me? I wasn't prepared for these. If you want to share that, uh, yes. too, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like this question. Gosh, what am I grateful for right now? Um, you know, I'm really grateful for this conversation because it's something that, yeah, it's so rare, I think. You know, maybe for you, it's your job, but 
all of us <laughs> satelliting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just wonderful to connect with you both. Um, I'm also just grateful for coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for getting me out of bed. Coffee makes yes. the world go around. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> grateful for, for coffee sure. and for sleep and yeah. for, yes, this day and my family and yeah, this okay. life. So wait, now I need to know though. Do you do you do anything special for your anniversary? Because I'm curious. <laughs> now, now you open the can of worms. For oh you. my god! <laughs> no, I was hoping to dodge this question. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll edit this part That's out. We'll fine. edit it out. <laughs> it's just it's because I don't really do the same thing every year. It just changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've had myself um, doing that too. Yeah, my um, burn anniversary is also just. Um, there is a lot of grief, um, because Mm -hmm. two people that I loved died and Mm -hmm. I know that there's just a lot of things to process around that for everyone who experienced, um, that. So I've done different things honoring that I have also taken the more celebratory, you know, route sometimes and yeah. Mm -hmm. What I mostly do is avoid social media. Mm. Yeah, because I find it really overwhelming mm-hmm. to process other people's grief <laughs> yeah. um, en masse, like through a sound bite um, on social media. So I think you bring in that additional layer because you specifically dealt with that level of mm-hmm. right, like grief associated with your trauma. Like we as survivors experience grief of our own, but also experiencing grief of that, of those that we've lost too, can be really mm-hmm. difficult. So, um, sure. but I love that you just switch it up. Cause I know every year, like not every year I feel the same way about it. And some years mm-hmm. I go into it feeling like <laughs> this was a sad day for me. And then others I'm like, well, I'm here. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. a really important message that whatever you feel like oh. doing that year. Yeah. And it's been, I think the piece that is, like happening right now is actually the more you step into the burn survivor identity and the more I'm talking about it, especially through my work, the more public kind of facing stuff I'm doing. Uh, it can be like, it has been really exhausting. It's um, draining. Sort of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm doing a lot of the education and a lot of the explaining and mm-hmm. like, that's why this is so nice because right. Like, hopefully there'll be other opportunities to share um, about the work, but it is like very much like, what is burn? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) So sure. Just appreciate this a lot. Well, we appreciate having you on today's episode and um, we encourage anyone that wants to learn more about Grace to visit her on her website, which we'll put in the show notes as well. Grace, um, we wish you the best of luck on your um, upcoming exhibit as well. And can't wait to see those additional um, images on the website in October when they get posted. Um, Mm -hmm. With with that, we want to thank you for joining us today. Thank Thank you you. both so much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.